Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we have a very exciting discussion with two guests, uh, the co-founders and managing directors of Maison Privé. Paul Malie and Rami Shama, who uh, are, they run a virtual hotel and brand offering, uh, offering, sorry, high standards of accommodation and service focused on corporate visitors and discerning tourists. It was set up originally in 2017 due to the growth and demand for short-term vacation rentals in Dubai, coupled with the emergence of globally recognized distribution platforms such as Airbnb. In April 2018, they closed a Series A funding round at 4 million US dollars and are now rapidly expanding throughout Dubai. Today, we will discuss the journey of how the business was created, establishing a new offering in the retail real estate market, and also talk about travel and tourism rental trends post the global pandemic. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Paul Rami. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks Thank for inviting you. us. Great to be here. Uh, so yeah, let's jump into it. COVID nineteen. How is that? How, how have you dealt with it? I think it's been a very interesting journey over the last number of months. Of course, the challenges have been very significant uh, for for everybody in the travel tourism space. Um, we certainly have recognized that uh, we've we've pivoted our business to deal with it. Uh, we have really found uh, a way to manage to shift our, our traffic and our demand uh, to an area that that worked for us. And uh, that was really to have extended stays rather than a reliance on tourists coming into Dubai to stay in our product, which, as you as you mentioned, is luxury apartments and villas across the city in the, the best parts of town. Um, what we found is that given the lack of tourists in the city, we needed to find another source of occupants for our units. And in doing so, we identified extended stay guests as that cohort. So these are people who stay with us instead of renting an apartment for a year, they will stay with us and pay on a monthly basis, for okay. example. We've also had a very strong demand from staycation travelers, so leisure travelers, who are in the city, uh, who live here, but wish to have a staycation rather than just uh, continue to stay in their home or, or maybe to, to go to a hotel, many of which have been closed over this period. Interesting. So actually what Maison Privé have seen is similar to kind of rental and accommodation trends as well. There's a lot of more staycations, there's a lot more people looking for value uh, and longer term rental without being locked in for too long. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, what we offer is flexibility and that flexibility is something that people take a lot of comfort in. Mm. If they're, if they're, let's say, living in the city, they don't want to commit to a lease for whatever reason. Maybe they just don't know how long they're going to be here. Uh, they just don't want to have that burden. So they look for uh, an extended stay in a mm. fully furnished, fully ready to live in a property. And that's what we provide uh, on one side and on the other side is the staycation and type traffic. Yeah. I would add to this, actually, <coughs> people looking for larger places to be in due to, to the new restrictions. So, for example, larger family who have kids and now they have all to work from home and they were living in apartments. They, for, for a lot of them, they moved to villas and okay. we have a large offering of villas on the palm. We have now a portfolio of around 15 villas on the palm and we found a huge uh, demand from 
uh, people living in Dubai, work in Dubai, who wanted to move their family from normal apartment to stay in villas. And at the beginning of uh, the of the uh, of the COVID nineteen, uh, we had some people who rented some of our villas for four months in a row. Mm. So uh, you know, we also mentioned the kind of the duration of uh, when you set up. At the start of this year, it must have been kind of an exciting proposition with with um, the projected uh, tourism numbers coming in for Expo and lots of things like that. And obviously in a city that attracts a lot of tourists, how big a shock was it to your planning? And, uh, you know, what was your initial reaction uh, that things that the, that the market was going to change? Well, I think that, um, you know, we had a, certainly a period of, of two weeks when the lockdown was imposed where lots of stuff froze. So anybody we had in house kind of stayed in house. Um, but the new uh, traffic became very limited for that very short period. Uh, but what we found is as soon as that two week lockdown period ended, that things quickly uh, sort of got back to a degree of, of normality within the numbers that we saw, particularly because of the fact that we pivoted to that extended day type traffic that I mentioned when the tourists were, were out uh, of, the, of the game effectively, um, along with the staycation type traffic. So we did see um, a, a, you know, an impact. Um, and I suppose for us, it was really about how do we respond to it? How mm. do we find a way of dealing with it? Um, and I guess we've, I suppose, identified a new way of, of growing our business alongside our core offering. And we see this type of uh, this type of, of extended stay traffic being a big part of our future, as well as what we're doing right now. Um, and Rami, I don't know if you want to add anything yeah, in sure. relation to the, sure. the yields. Yeah. So basically, so we saw two trends going against each other, and we were able quickly to identify them. So one of them was tourists canceling their uh, the trips, but on the other hand, a lot of people who were in Dubai already and couldn't go back home. And this is why they had to find other accommodation to stay here. Rather than maybe the expensive per night fee exactly, that they were there. Exactly. Okay. And they don't want to stay in hotels anymore because uh, hotels are, will be like, you know, more people there. So we found a lot of people are interested in our apartment and our villas. And there were a lot of, let's say, at the beginning, a lot of Chinese. So they want to go back to uh, home and they stayed in our, uh, in, uh, in, uh, so half of our villas were occupied by Chinese at the beginning who stayed for a few months. So we were able really to mm. capitalize quickly on this opportunity to negate the negative effect of losing the tourists themselves. Okay. And from a communications point of view, did you uh, communicate this new positioning to existing clients and customers and to your stakeholders? Uh, and how did you go about that? So, I mean, for our owners, definitely, uh, we explained this to them and then they can see from the monthly report that we send them that their performance was not really uh, much affected. Mm. Uh, of course, as well for our guests, uh, we uh, identified to them more like in all the precautions we are taking, the sanitization we are taking. We took a lot of measures of precautions. And uh, we communicated this to them as well so that to uh, let them feel comfortable. And in terms of distribution, uh, you know, marketing, getting in front of potential guests, we we absolutely made sure that we focused on this new product offering or or let's say a slightly modified product offering. But, you know, a a key component, I think, of the message that we have been working on is the fact that the residential properties that we have in our portfolio, and we have over 200 units across the city, uh, the, the, the residential nature of that product 
brings with it natural seclusion. So you're not in a big, busy hotel with, you know, 500 rooms. You're in a residential property. And whether that's a, a villa, which of course is mm. by itself, uh, you know, fully isolated from, you know, other people coming in and being around your, your place when, when you're staying there. But even in a, in a residential environment of a, of a residential building, then you still have that natural environment to yourself. Mm. It's not being, uh, let's say, uh, interfered with by other people there yeah. are people coming in and around you and this is a big component i think as well yeah so even yeah so just not as many people coming into the hotels and things like that yeah so the footfall is lower i mean the, you yeah. know the the, the the risk exposure basically yeah. during covid i think is much lower in our type of product and i think internationally we're really seeing that be a, a growth trend as people are now looking to to travel to a degree yeah. and what they're looking for is vacation rental properties and that's what we do okay so you know the, i think internationally uh, the recognition is there that the growth in travel and tourism uh, over the coming uh, number of years is going to be very heavily leaning towards vacation rentals as an as an attractive option for people to stay you and use the word growth will there be growth I, fir I firmly believe there will be, be and uh, you know I think that there will be a pent up demand first of all from okay. people who haven't been able to travel. Um, but notwithstanding the you know the the, the international um, uh, limited movement that there will be over the next number of months, um, I think that you know once we get back to a, a, a normal uh, type uh, travel environment, then again I think people will will look towards vacation rentals as that. Uh, as that very attractive option for their vacation where they get to be in their own uh, cocooned environment yeah. without having you know uh, lots of people around and, and also like to add two things to this uh, for example a lot of people now they don't want to share let's say pools with others so for example mm. our properties which has their own private pools they were extremely in high demand uh, during uh, the, the the last period uh, during the lockdown when people cannot access public yeah. facilities but even now where some people they they just want to have their own Pool. The other thing now is that the travel is becoming so complicated. So people, when they travel tourists now, they will not be looking, you know, to go travel for three or four days only. They will be looking more to stay in a place for, let's say, maybe two weeks or so because no, there is a longer lot of trips yeah, rather than longer trips exactly yeah. because a lot of complication was the traveling. And for them, like longer trips mean more expenses, mean maybe mean being a bigger group. So hotels will not really make sense for them, and then they would prefer to be either in villas or in apartments. Um, and to make more sense for them. So there are a lot of trends that are working mm. in our favor that negate the other uh, negative uh, trends. And, and one thing I'd add to that as well is that that ability to have uh, a, a living environment where you can cook for yourself, you know, you can maintain, there's a full washing <laughs> facilities in each of our units. So, you know, you have a washing machine, the tumble dryer, and all of these things that you would have in your normal home environment. So what we give people, I suppose, is the opportunity to have a very normal uh, lifestyle on their vacation. Mm. Um, they can cook for themselves. They can, you know, make sure that the kids eat the same food that they normally eat and they're not worried about going to restaurants and trying to figure out how to, mm. how to do all of this is provided in the vacation, in the vacation rental unit. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very attractive option for people when they travel, especially as Rami said, when they're traveling for an extended period, which we believe people will look to do because of the hassle of going somewhere when you go you will stay there that little bit longer. Yeah, it's interesting. So the supply, the, the kind of what you're catering towards, you're offering is catering towards what uh, the demands. And we, we've seen, you know, hotels as well kind of put together kind of long-term packages. But can I just question a little bit more of the demands? I understand your offering is, is compelling for those looking for it. But if I talk about uh, three things, say uh, travel uh, in terms of, 
uh, a global pandemic and the risk of airports, the risk of passing on the disease without a vaccine. So we take that as number one. Number two, uh, the um, the kind of uh, you know the inconvenience of uh, extra tests. I, I'm traveling next week and I have to uh, do much more admin and paperwork. I have to get tested four times. I have to literally time my 72 hours, etc. Will I have the test? It's it's really really um, you know uh, intent. It's logistically challenging. And then thirdly, uh, the economy. So uh, you know, there's a lot of jobs. You know, the, the a good analogy for the kind of V-shaped recovery was more like a K. Some businesses are going up, like the, and others are definitely going down. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of people losing jobs and having money to travel. Uh, so do, do, do you think that when you say coming back to a normal environment, how do you kind of, what will happen those three things? How does that become normal? Sure. I mean, the, the, first, there are two things, for example. One of them is there is the local tourism, and we benefit a lot from the local tourism. People this year who could not actually travel abroad, and they had to stay in the country. So for them is, less, for example, they don't have, let's say, a second house or a summer house or, or a place by the beach. So they went, they ended up renting, let's say, our villas, and they took it as if this is their summer vacation. So uh, whatever they were going to spend somewhere else, they ended up spending there. So this, this was a, a, a positive trend. The other trend is now that there are a lot of people who have been locked down for so long period, and they want to travel now. And for them, uh, Dubai uh, is perceived as a very safe place, is perceived as a, a city or a UAE as a country that was able to combat uh, COVID-19 before other countries. So you'll, you'll find a lot of people in Europe now, especially that winter is coming in and they were locked in during the whole summer, they will all come to Dubai. So we are getting ready to our season that start in October, November. A lot of people who were in Europe, who were locked down the whole period, who are really in desperate need of vacation, Dubai is perceived as being a safe place. So for them, it's they, they, they will make the trip. Good, two good points. And, and I think that confidence is very important when people do travel. And to that end, uh, I mean, we're very happy to have been awarded the World Tourism and Travel Council Safe Stamp which basically recognizes the measures that we've taken and that we actively manage uh, to ensure the safety of each of our units when mm. people arrive. The cleaning, the hygiene procedures, the way we manage interactions with our guests, all of that type of thing is, is covered by that safe stamp. And this, I think, is a very important part of ensuring that there's confidence on behalf of, of those traveling uh, in staying in a, in a location that they know has been uh, hygienically managed and, and treated in the right way. Yeah. So before we move on to the kind of more of the backstory in Maison Privé, another question around uh, COVID in relation to Airbnb. Um, they were they're a, a company in your category globally, uh, m- maybe, and you can correct me, uh, and they are they were planning to uh, do a, a public offering this year. Uh, they've raised a lot of money. They've got a strong brand. They've been around for a number of years. Uh, when it happened, they postponed their IPO. Uh, they took out billions of dollars of loans and they let go a lot of staff. Uh, and there was also kind of a lot of kind of um, communication with their hosts and a lot of questions of. Um, can their host provide in this new environment for their guests? How did you view sort of how that narrative has played out? 
Well, I mean, uh, regarding the IPO, for example, IPO always based on sentiment, right? So for, so for them, this is not the right time to do an IPO because a lot of people will not, you know, have confidence in, in investing in this field. So a big part of it is sentiment. Although we have some other, uh, let's say, peers of ours who have been raising money, like there's a company called Sonder in the US who has just raised $200 million during this period. But they were more focused on the extended stay. The other thing about Airbnb as well, Airbnb is more about pure tourist, about pure short stay rather than the longer extended stays. So uh, that's where you differ. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and this is how they were affected. But they're also a platform and rather than an operator. Uh, and we would be sort of in the operator category where okay. we actually manage the units, we manage the guest experience and we make sure that we look after our uh, our guests as if they were in, in a five star type accommodation. Um, Airbnb run a platform where people like us, for example, can list our properties on their platform and people can book to stay with us through Airbnb. Now, my understanding is that Airbnb uh, are still planning their IPO for later this year uh, based on the, the latest information that we have. Um, and, and there is a degree of confidence behind that, I guess, if they're, if they're, if they're, you know, of that, of that mind, then clearly that they feel that the market is going to open back up and, and that they will be in a position to, you know, to capitalize on it. Um, certainly from our perspective, uh, we do have a lot of confidence in the market. I mean, we, we certainly expect to double our portfolio in the, in the coming 12 months at a minimum. Uh, we are looking to other markets, uh, for example, Saudi Arabia is on our radar and a number of other places uh, that we feel that we can expand to that our model will work very well in and that we will continue on our growth story as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the kind of tech bubble and the trends, you know, maybe as you alluded to, uh, probably gave them confidence that the market will receive their their offering well. Uh, so it's good to see. But also, there's as you know, there's a lot of projections that are a couple of years away. So I, I'm sensing a lot of positiveness. But was there were there? Did you have to revise targets this year? Did you have to make some cutbacks, or is it all sort of we're doing this for the long haul and uh, we're just kind of uh, you know we're adjusting our plans, but it's still long term. I mean, to be honest, I mean, our numbers really didn't change much because, as I mentioned, there were a lot of trends going against each other that, yeah. like, you know, neutralized thing. We did not, for example, have any uh, staff cuts. We did not have any salary cuts. So for, for us, business was as uh, as usual. Okay. Very good to hear. Great. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, uh, yeah. So well positioned. So going back to the starts, uh, Maison Privé, uh, where did the idea come about? How did you guys meet and uh, how did you set it up? Well, uh, Rami and I had worked in a, a previous company together, um, Booz Allen Hamilton, which is a global strategy consultancy. Um, we had a lot of mutual friends and uh, we had, you know, many discussions between various friends about what we, you know, thought about business, etc. And one mutual friend identified that the two of us were talking about the same principal idea yeah. um, and suggested that we, we have a chat about it together. Uh, and, and that's when, you know, we sat down and, and discussed the concept of putting together Maison Privé as a business, um, it, this whole idea of curating a portfolio of luxury apartments to offer into the market on a short-term rental basis in, in essence and to wrap that in uh you know concierge supported uh experience for the guests that come and stay with us so mm. our product i guess is, is not just overnight accommodation but it's overnight accommodation plus the guest experience wrapped around it. Uh, we would provide access, for example, if a, if a guest in one of our villas would like to have a, an in-house chef to, to stay, you know, to, to cook for them during their stay, then we make that arrangement. If they want to have a luxury car parked outside 
for the week that they're there, the two weeks that they're there, etc., then we would provide that. Uh, and these are the types of things that we have as added value services to the accommodation itself. Uh, all of our guests uh, are, you know, met by our guest relations executives. They're shown around and everything is explained in terms of how to enjoy the accommodation that we provide, you know, simple things like how do you use the microwave, how do you use the cooker, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a mm. very... It's a very personal. Not experience. just here's the key off you yeah, go. It, yeah, it's not like that. It's not a deep personalized service. We do, of course, provide seamless self check in for guests who want to have a contact a contact free check in experience. Mm. That's something that we also provide, and we have the systems and technology in place to allow that to happen. But at its core, our business is about its luxury travel. Uh, it's about the experience. It's about that guest, uh, uh, the enhanced guest experience, and we provide that to our team of guest relations executives. And yeah, and I would like to say that uh, both of us had uh, a corporate, uh, let's say, experience for 15 years and mm. we were interested in starting a new business uh, and sourcing about entrepreneurship or startup. And then we, when we sought in Dubai, what, what, what are, what are the sectors that are interesting? And hospitality, of course, is one of them. Uh, there was a law that had, that was passed, uh, back then, uh, that is actually, uh, regulating the short term, uh, stay in the holiday home market. So this meant that we can do freely our activities. It will be protected by, by the laws. There will be no, uh, trends against us, like in some other, let's say, European and US countries where they are restricting, uh, the holiday home sector here on the country. The government was blessing it and uh, supporting it. At the same time, if you look, there was an Increased number of tourists. Expo 220 was uh, was about to be announced. Yeah. Hotels are expensive. At the same time, there is a good stock of apartments here or villas that have amazing amenities like the pool, the gym. So it really made sense, uh, you know, to get into this market. Also at this point of time, Airbnb, Booking.com, all of these platforms were kind of technology enablers to our business. So mm. so. Everything was like directing toward the direction that this is an interesting idea to do an interesting market so at very, the right time. At the right time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very strategic. It sounds like you looked at the right sort of things and you kind of had that product market fit. We're consultants. <laughs> exactly. From a consultancy point of view. But then from a startup point of view, that might, how did that pan out? Was it as you expected? Did you, ha did you have to kind of hustle a little bit? Was it, was it different or how did it pan out? I just say, I mean, you know, you, you have a plan uh, and then the reality hits and, and you, you have to find a way of, of managing to that. I mean, certainly it was for us both an extremely hands-on experience from the very start. Um, you know, we, we literally finished our first apartment in terms of its uh, fit out uh, the evening before the first guest arrived. And yeah. it was literally down to, uh, you know, uh, that, that level of excitement, uh, hands-on experience. I mean, we, we had both held very senior roles in, in previous jobs. Uh, and now we were, you know, changing sheets on a bed almost, you know, it was like, you know, cleaning the floors, like this level of, yeah. of, of, uh, of engagement in, in the product. And that's what we did. And, and so I think as part of our journey, having done every, mm. uh, every step of, uh, of the activity, uh, from, from meeting the guest to, to effectively managing the fit out of the units, uh, to making sure that the cleaning is done to the right standards. We know intimately every aspect of the business. And I think that was a very important part of, of our growth in, in creating the company. Mm. Um, and it gave us the foundation to understand everything in the, in the right level of detail and to be able to improve it, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, I'm smiling because you, it's very well uh, thought out. Your answers are very good. It's very strong. And I imagine that that would be 
well received by investors and uh, and that point of view. Is that how you found it? Was it sort of, you know, we've been consulting big businesses over a long time. Uh, we really know how to position a strategy. Was that well received when you when you sought to raise funds? I mean, definitely the, the, there was, let's say, a trust in, uh, in our background and what we have done. But at the same time, we, we raised funds after a certain period of growth. And uh, when we started this business, I mean, we we received a lot of positive uh uh, feedback from mm. uh, from owners, for example, and we kept growing our portfolio uh, very quickly and uh, actually way faster than what was expected. And, and of course, when the time came for the fundraising, uh, we had established a certain platform that was interesting for the yeah uh, for the for the investors. So it was not not just sort of um, uh, a good uh, opportunity, as you described the regulation, the tourism numbers, and things like that. It was also uh, not only do we see a decent roadmap, there's a good kind of market gap that investors you should look at. Also, look, this thing works. People like it. It's already working. And that those kind of things came together? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think internationally it was recognized that when people are looking to travel, they're actively looking to vacation rentals as an option. And I think that was very much recognized in uh, in, in platforms like Booking.com who really shifted their focus from just providing hotel rooms to providing accommodation in the broader sense of the word, and particularly on vacation rentals. All of our units are fully dedicated to vacation rentals. They're not somebody's house that they typically live in. And, and when they're away, uh, you know, we market it short term. That's not what we do. We All of our units are fully dedicated and set up for the purpose of vacation rentals. Um, and platforms like Booking.com work with companies like us to deliver that inventory into the market. Um, and it works very well. And, and as I said, internationally, the growth has mm. been quite exponential in terms of people actively looking to find uh, accommodation in a city that they want to travel to, which is residential in nature. And it's this idea of living like a local in the city that you're traveling to. So if you want to come to Dubai on holiday, um, I mean, where better to stay than on, you know, on the on the Palm in your own private villa with your own private pool and your own private beach outside. Yeah. I mean, this is the concept that people dream of, right? This is the idea when they, you know, they think about where they're going to travel next. What, you know, what is, yeah. the, what is their experience going to be like? And if you go back uh, 10 years, you simply, unless you bought that villa, you simply couldn't stay there okay. because you had no access to it. But now companies like us in Maison Privé, we provide that access. We give people the opportunity to, to live like a local in the environment. And, and also, like I mean, if you look at the makeup of tourists who come to Dubai, a lot of them are families rather mm. than, you know, individuals coming alone. So a lot of these families, it's better for them to be in a two or three bedroom apartment, all of them together, rather than be scattered in three, four uh, small hotel rooms. Uh, so this also makes sense a lot for, for them. Your providers, are they both building owners uh, and uh, property owners? Are they both? Yeah. So, I mean, we will work with developers. We will work with, uh, you know, the, the, the owners of a tower, for example, and we'll take a significant portion of stock mm. within that tower. So we would take floors or, or potentially the whole building. Um, and then also private individual owners of, of investment properties, let's say, and they give their unit to us to manage. And we typically generate 20, 25% more net revenue for that owner. So in, that's the proposition that's to them. The proposition, that's why they do it. Exactly. And yeah. they also have, on top of that, the owner also has the flexibility 
uh, to use that unit for themselves or their family uh, if they want to during the year. Mm. Um, they can, in other words, they can they can uh, lock out the apartment uh, for themselves mm. uh, for a period uh, if they were to have family over, for example. So it gives a lot of flexibility to owners. Interesting. Uh, so I can, you know, if an owner is aware of your platform, I can see why they would uh, do it. But uh, the question is around the existing real estate space. Um, why would a company say who has uh, many agents on the ground and many a lot of inventory uh, not move into this space and how uh, you know is that competition um, how, how have you guys been allowed into that space well if I can touch on that one I'd say that you know we are like a hotel we're not real estate brokers mm. we, we are we are a hospitality company so our whole business is built around uh, addressing customer needs and making sure that we provide customer service we provide a luxury stay experience for our guests. Some real estate companies have got into this space, but they would typically run it more like a real estate, a, company. A real estate company. But why wouldn't a real estate company get into the Booking.com ecosystem, for example? I mean, they can do, uh, and and they can get but a license. They can get a license to do what we do. But they would typically, from what we've seen, uh, they would typically run that more like they'd prefer, a rental. Yeah, so they, it, they'd prefer to be on a property platform yes. rather than a travel booking platform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, our business is very operational oriented and there are a lot of details in it. There is a mm. lot of customer service in it. A lot of developers, their, you know, uh, their strategy and minds are more about selling uh, or about, uh, you know, renting. So it's more of transaction oriented rather than, you know, it does, it's not interesting yeah. for them to get into details of the operation. So it's better for them to outsource it and then share the revenue with us. So the hotels that offer uh, cheaper long-term rentals, do you think that that uh, pricing model is there to stay? To be honest with you, I mean, I have seen a lot of, of these offerings and the hotel rooms themselves, they are not catered for long-term stay. They are small hotel rooms. They are standard in a certain way. They're not apartments. Exactly, not pillars, exactly. Yeah. But when you are an apartment, you have the feel of the space. You have the feel of this apartment. The furniture there is not like, you know, the standard uh, furniture, but it's more like furniture, like as if I'm at home. So there is a life in it mm. uh, or a soul in it. And this, this, this is why I believe that these hotels are basically currently just competing on prices mm. in order to fill in, uh, you know the the rooms that they have, but uh, but 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 I don't think that this is a model that uh, they can venture into. Yeah, and they also they also have other things. They've got uh, other offerings that are hotel like, such as restaurants and yeah. staff and cleaning and different things that all gears. I think whenever I see innovation in a hotel, unless it's from the bottom up, unless it's built from the start, you kind of wonder, uh, can it? change you know there was this talk a while ago of uh this flexible check-in you know and pay by the hour and things like that but the whole kind of global industry of hotels is you know you check in at kind of 3 p.m and you check out at 12 the next day it's very hard to change is that what you think yeah i think that's that's very true and and you know there have been a few um i suppose iterations of of the the typical hotel model but okay. you're right they're fairly focused they, you know it's it's a room and it's provided for a, you know a set period and, and that's and that's it and supported by fnb etc um I, I think there's a reason that companies like us are being referred to as disruptors, and that's because we are going into the hospitality space and offering a very different product and service. And and by providing that product and service, we have come on the radar of hotels. And, and internationally, this has very been this has very much been the case. Yeah. Uh, you have a, a very good example is One Fine Stay, who are uh, probably the pioneer in the space that we're in in terms of the vacation short-term rental sector. 
uh, they were bought by Accor Hotels who recognized that, okay, we see that there's a trend growing here. We see that people are looking to, to travel this way and we want to be part of that. So they bought this company, $250 million US dollars about three years ago, I think, yeah. uh, thereabouts. Um, and, and that was a recognition of, okay, now there's a change in the market. Mm. Now there's a change in customer dynamics. And these guys are addressing that change. And the hotel change, uh, chains yeah. wanted to be part of that. And mm. even Marriott itself did the same. They created a platform uh, last year uh, to actually compete with Airbnb and Booking.com. So a platform basically for homes. And then in which we can list our properties mm. on them and even enjoy the Marriott points. So the guest who is going to stay in our apartment and book through the Marriott platform, he will get the Marriott points. So, for example, if I... If I'm on Marriott Bonvoy app, I can actually book long-term stays in a similar offering that yes. they've yeah. created a similar offering to Mason Prebay. Uh, no, sorry. So they uh, get a platform where yeah. they are uh, where they are listing our products on it. So they, oh, will, work, they, will, yeah, yeah. they will work with companies like us that are trusted, vetted yeah. uh, companies that provide wow. the accommodation that we provide. Uh, and they're doing this on a global basis. And they're going through a rollout process at the moment into different countries okay. and different cities. So interesting. So just to explain to people in a way that the kind of the status quo for hotel operating are big holding groups. They don't own the property, they're management companies, uh, and they have many sub brands, such as say Marriott might have premium luxury, three star, five star, and different offerings. And it's very much like you would offer in terms of the experience, the brand, the full concierge, but they do it in the hotel way. And now by acquiring Amazon Privé or allowing Amazon Privé there, they're actually, it's in line with what they're doing. It's just another offering to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's effectively ensuring that they capture uh, the market uh, and, and where the demand is uh, for different parts of, of the, the, the food chain or the value chain. Can I ask a question around uh, the, the hotel operating system traditionally are incentivized by the gross booking. They're not incentivized by the margin. Uh, so that sometimes has a breakdown in, the tenant or the property owner and the hotel management system, which is why sometimes you see property owners managing their own premises. Um, do you experience similar? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think that what we provide, I suppose, is um, a facility for property owners to have their units managed in a professional way. Uh, as Randy mentioned earlier, I think that what we do is is very specific. It's It's a very... Uh, focused, uh, customer orientated service delivery. Mm. Um, and in order to be able to provide that level of service, you really need to set up the infrastructure, the technology and the operation in a very st structured way. Um, and, and that's what we've done. And, and so we can, we can execute. If, if somebody who owns a building wants to do it, uh, themselves, they can, but it's an, it's a difficult journey. And certainly over the last number of years that we've been in business, we have, we've modified and refined our operating model in order to optimize it and to make it as effective and as efficient as possible, both on behalf of, of the owners of the property to deliver them the best return, uh, but also on the guest experience so that the guest is, is, is uh, enjoying that, that, that ultimate experience. And in terms of margins, so from a rental point of view, the owner might uh, get 20, 25% more. Does that uh, reflect your profits uh, in terms of the margins overall uh, in comparison 
with say hotels uh, or do you have similar profit margins than a hotel business so, so basically we work with the owners on the revenue sharing model uh, where they will take the bulk of the of the revenue and we will take a part of it and uh, it's, it's it's pure revenue sharing so meaning if the unit is not selling or is not being rented we don't make any money and uh, they don't as well but if if both of us are uh, if, if, if both of if it's rented both of us make like you know the so per the, transaction or uh, no, it's per month. So yeah. basically, at the end of every month, we'll send a statement and then we'll say these are all the booking that happened and this is your uh, your part of the revenue and this is our part uh, of uh, of the revenue as well. The way we are a bit different than hotels is that our model is way more flexible and more variable in terms of cost. So we don't have a lot of fixed costs, let's say, other than the payroll. But hotels, for example, uh, due to the size, due to the FMB, due to having a reception, due to having all of these things, they they have a lot of more sticky costs that make them less flexible than us. And maybe this is this is for us. It was easier for us to adapt, you know, mm. during the during pandemic, the, the yeah. yeah during the pandemic. Yeah, interesting. And uh, are there any other costs that you have? Like, do you have many, much more tech costs? Is marketing similar? Are staff costs similar? Um, so, I mean, a lot of the functions we have mirror what is an hotel. Like, for example, we will have the uh, operations team, we'll have the revenue management team, we'll have the reservation team, mm. the marketing, the finance team. But we don't have, let's say, all the F&B costs that, uh, that, that are there. We don't have, uh, like, all the costs that are associated with the front office, the receptions. Uh, the, also, we don't have the, the fixed expenses of, of the building itself mm. uh, that, that, hotel, that an hotel has to maintain because in a lot of the apartments we are in, uh, uh, the, the the facility itself is being serviced by the building itself, so or by the service charges that being being paid by the owner. Mm. So all of these costs does not exist uh, in our business. But we're also very much a startup, and you know we continue to operate in that uh, bootstrap kind of mindset where we uh, try and and you know manage as efficiently as possible. We try and leverage. Uh, the, the kind of the you know the marketing activities that we do we try to you know manage our spend very very carefully uh, we use the right distribution channels to get in front of of the guest in the most efficient way uh, all that type of all that type of thing you know we, we really have that we, we are we're not a you know a, a multinational corporation that can spend an Airbnb cut a billion dollars from their marketing budget this year a billion dollars I mean you know this is this is at a different level, obviously, right? So mm. um, we're very prudent. We're very, you know, we're very uh, conscientious about how we spend our our our, our money uh, and how we invest in order to, to grow the business and develop it. And uh, you know, that's the way we see things uh, going forward. So a nice segue into the kind of next steps and the next steps for the business and going forward. What what what's in your roadmap? Are you kind of what what are you going to invest in? Uh, both for Maison Privé, uh, first for Maison Privé. So, I mean, I would say here in Dubai, we will continue growing. I mean, the market is very interesting for us. Uh, we will be focusing more, let's say, on developed products because it proves to be a very interesting, uh, very profitable, very in-demand. Uh, so I would say this on the local market. We will also uh, continue, you know, uh, offering more product accommodation, let's say concierge services, value added services, then definitely the regional, the regional and global expansion is something that we started working on. Uh, as Paul was mentioning, we are eyeing Saudi, we are eyeing a lot, uh, a lot of other uh, places. When uh, when the COVID started, some of these plans were a bit on hold, but but they are still there. And our, our plan is, is, to, roll out, is, to, is to roll out the, the platform throughout the region. 
And I suppose one of the uh, things that um, works very much in our favor is that, you know, we're very flexible. We can be flexible. You know, we make the decisions and we and we decide uh, on, on how to grow the business, of course. Um, and I suppose when we look at new markets or uh, new inventory, um, you know, we, we understand what works. We know uh, what type of product sells. Uh, we, as a business currently, we probably turn down, you know, 30, 40 percent of the units that are offered to us because we know they're not going to work in the model that we have or in the environment that we have they're not of the right standard they're not they, you know they don't have the right facilities the, the the view is not correct you know it's mm. not the best view so we're very selective in what we take into the portfolio because we will take in what we know works we can apply that same logic in other markets that we go to um you know we will go in at, at a degree of scale <clears> into a new market that makes uh, sure that we have a, a presence and and an operating uh uh, level that that will that will make sense so uh, this is what we'll do and we will look to to the markets that um you know that are most attractive that have the assets there you know whether it's a building or a collection of villas you know we will we will look to take on the right amount of stock and, and definitely partnering with developer in other uh, in, in other countries so uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of uh, of countries here in the region where there are have been a lot of development and a lot of developers are interested in this product so uh, and and maybe and maybe the countries there are still not as uh, the, the the holiday home is not as developed as here so for them they want to develop it yeah so i i guess that good answer i was kind of you know uh wondering about do you with new investments or with further investment would you build a tech platform would you change the model but actually you build the model it works in this market it's just about building the same model in other markets and kind of taking little sort of customer centric decisions on sure. uh product but basically essentially it's the same business model sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a replication. I mean, effectively, what we did here, and we were very uh, focused on doing it, was refining the model, that the operating model, the, the, the you know, ensuring that we had everything um, down in Dubai yeah. before we exported. There was no point in exporting something that wasn't quite right. So what we have focused on is making sure that from a process uh, and operations perspective, we have everything at, at the optimized level and now we are very comfortable with the idea of going into new markets and replicating the model we will support uh, that model with the right technology uh, whether it's third-party technology or developed in-house depending on um, uh, you know on, on what's available and what makes sense for us um, what we didn't want to do was unnecessarily burden ourselves with a uh, tech development where we could get a third party uh, solution. Mm. Uh, it, it just didn't make sense for us. It was really about getting uh, getting the, the operating structures in place, making sure that we're supported, enabled by the right technology, um, and, and then move on from there. Yeah, but we are a hospitality operator. So for us, we want to remain a hospitality operator, maybe mm. like, you know, grow and expand and refine the, you know, the, our process and procedures. But for example, we don't want to go and compete with Airbnb on creating a distribution platform because the, 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 it's actually a, a very different, different business. business. It's, yeah. it's a different business. And it's a, yeah. yeah, but for example, uh, there is an evolution. For example, in the way we're doing our business. So, for example, when we started initially, we were just getting apartments, scattered apartments. Then we moved into dealing, you know, with some developers that will give us a block of units. Now, maybe in the future, we'll be just interested in getting a full building uh, mm. itself, and managing it rather than you know just having scattered uh, uh, apartments. And one of the main reason when we decide to move to a new city or a new country would be the availability of one stock we can start from from the beginning so we don't want to go and start with one or two apartment there because now we want to move a bit faster so if we have an opportunity to go and start let's say we're in a development of 50 or 100 units this this will be like you know the go the the reason to go and ultimately you want you want the consumer to choose maison privé you want that to be the point of entry 
Is that the yeah, brand strategy? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's about the guest experience and we're very focused on that. Um, we know that delivering the right guest experience delivers the right return for the owners of the asset. And so those two things work very well together and they marry very well together. And ensuring that we can, uh, you know, uh, I suppose, you know, repeat that experience consistently, making sure that we have that uh, delivery uh, platform uh, for, for the actual guest stay um, that's consistent. That's very important to us. There's an interesting piece, and in, I don't know if you saw it in the FT at the weekend about how generic Airbnb interiors are around the world. They all have the same style and stuff like that. Uh, when I, if I was to say to Maison Privé, would it be like saying, are there sort of branding in the uh, apartments? Do I know that I've stayed at Maison Privé aesthetically? I mean, we certainly interior design all of our units individually. So we have uh, we have an interior design team that we you know that will go into a unit that will assess what the right look and feel for that unit is depending on the the building, the the style, the location, the specifics of of the actual unit itself, and and we will deliver a design concept into that that we know speaks to the guest profile that will come and stay there. Is there a welcome message with Maison Privé on the TV? Not on the TV, but we do have a welcome manual. We do provide okay. um, amenity kits, welcome kits to our guests. You okay. know, there, there is that uh, that brand engagement, which we do believe is very but, important. But, yeah, but also what we're trying to do uh, is actually uh, to, uh, you know, create the Maison Privé brand, meaning mm. that people come and stay with uh, Maison Privé rather than, for example, going on Airbnb and just trying to find any accommodation. Yeah. So it will become more, this is a CQI. Yeah, yeah, this is a trusted yeah. brand. It's an operator. We can see a lot of reviews that they have done. We want to stay in this company because we trusted rather than just the apartment look nice. And uh, and of course, this means that we want to, you know, you know, uh, reduce our reliance, let's say, on Airbnb and Booking.com and derive more demand uh, from our own website. And actually, uh, during the pandemic, this worked very well that the reliance on Airbnb and Booking.com really went down. And a lot of people who are booking, you know, our villas and our apartment, they came to know to, to know us and book uh, us directly. So let's say the demand that we are getting on the OTAs, which is like Airbnb used to be, let's say before the 70%, now it's like five or 10% mm. during the pandemic and every and all the rest is coming direct to us. And, and definitely- OTAs like booking.com. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and definitely for us, moving into the future, we want really to increase the reliance on uh, the direct uh, booking because uh, first, this means that our brand is, is yeah. becoming a value, is getting a value. And second, we are returning more to our owners because we don't have to share with Airbnb and Booking.com the fees. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And building that customer base has been, you know, very much part of our activity, engaging with that customer base, making sure that they're, we're front of mind when they think about their next yeah. travel experience. Um, and, and providing that access, I think, is very important for us. And you can migrate them. You can turn them into direct Maison Privé customers after they've discovered you in a different uh, Absolutely. Way. And that's uh, that's, uh, that's always our goal is yeah. to make sure that the next time they book, they book directly they with us. With and, and they, you know, they, uh, let's say, escape, uh, you know, the fees of, of third party yeah. channels like Booking.com, for example. Is there a roadmap to a Series B? And how do you approach fundraising? Do you dedicate one of the co-founders to specialize in it and all the time that's needed to, uh, for that? I mean, I, I would say that, you know, we, um, we're, we're not currently looking at Series B. Um, we, we're, we're well funded now. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a particular requirement at this stage. 
as we grow internationally and we think about that growth plan internationally, then maybe that's something that we will look to do. Um, but for now, it's not on it's not on our agenda. Um, I guess we were very lucky in that uh, we were approached uh, by somebody who was interested in investing because they liked our business model. They saw what we were doing. Um, they understood the the concept and, and they wanted yeah. to be part of it. So um, I guess we were um, while we weren't actively looking for investment, we were sought out, um, and it made sense. It made sense for us to do that. Um, really, I think our focus is on growth now. It's, it's about how do we how do we get to a, a degree of scale internationally um, that you know puts us on the radar in different markets. And and because our our customer base is a, a traveling customer base. We see the ability to to be the you know the maison privé uh, provider of, of choice or accommodation provider of choice in different markets mm. where our guests are going to be. So the guests will follow us as well as as we follow the market trends. And also, our our business model is quite asset light. Uh, like it doesn't really require a lot of capex investment unless mm. if you're going to do an acquisition. And for example, if if we decide to go an acquisition and raise funds specifically for this acquisition, what type of acquisition? Like go and acquire another company, for example. In the same space, so it will be even easier to raise the funds because it will be for a specific purpose. Uh, so so in, in investors are always interested you know, in investing when they know the money is going where rather than just do okay. general investment and tell them, I'm going to spend a bit on marketing, a bit on technology. So so we, I think we have passed the stage. And now if we go for another funding, it will be for a specific purpose, which will make it more easier. Yeah. Okay. So a very Dubai works. And the final question. Uh, is around this region as an emerging market. Uh, would you consider this a region emerging market? What do you think its chances of emerging is if we can put that in sort of tangible numbers? Um, and where are your bets in the region? I mean, the, the region is very diverse. So, I mean, I think it's very difficult to uh, to put uh, all the different countries in, in, in one basket. But definitely, I would say it's a very promising uh, region. Uh, I think Dubai is the hub of, uh, of the Middle East. A lot of businesses are being there. So, I think it was right for us to start from Dubai and uh, and uh, build institutions from it, which will enable us, you know, to attack the, the other the, the other countries uh, after this. But definitely, we are very bullish on uh, on the region. I think we're very lucky that we were in Dubai at the right time with the right idea, uh, and we've been able to put together a business model that works not just here but internationally. Um, I think that the region generally is ripe for our type of product. Uh, certainly, and I also think that in terms of the growth uh, dynamic and and the focus on startups in in region in the region in general, um, I think there's huge opportunity. And and you know I, I really am um, very enthused by the startup ecosystem that Dubai has put in place, uh, the support structures that the government are working on, ensuring that companies like ours, uh, you know, get that uh, get that kickstart, get that. Uh, uh, initial, uh, you know, uh, movement and, and the supports that are needed. Um, as Rami mentioned earlier, the fact that the regulations are in place uh, to govern our industry, our sector, uh, are hugely important. I mean, the foresight of the government to put in place the rules and the framework to operate vacation rentals in Dubai, you know, in many other countries, this hasn't been done. It's fantastic because it gives us a platform on which to grow from. Um, and we're in a very lucky position. So when you're making decisions on new markets to go to, do you look at, you obviously you look at internationally, uh, do you look at sort of luxury travel hotspots or do you look at first mover advantage in emerging markets? So for example, if similar regulation was regulation was put in place in the Middle East and in, in Egypt and Jordan and Saudi, would that be more appealing to you because uh, there's no one else there? 
I mean, we have a large matrix of things we look at, but as you mentioned, all of these things, like for example, regulations are very important. The availability of supply is very important. The dynamics okay. of, the, uh, of the country, but the dynamics of the country could also change. Like for example, in some countries, it might not be the tourists, but might be the local uh, tourism. So for example, countries, let's say like Saudi or Egypt, uh, they have huge population uh, and uh, there are, and there are big, like there are big countries. So there are a lot of movement within the country uh, mm. uh, for local tourism. So this could be a trend there as well. So uh, it's each country would be taken from different perspective, but of course the business case has uh, has to make sense for it. And there's also you know the, the corporate travel market as well, which we haven't really touched on, but it's a very important one. You know, we 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 if you think about the the, the backgrounds that myself and Rami have that we mentioned as consultants, you typically work in a particular city for a number of weeks or months. Your former company business happens and could be your clients. Well, exactly. <laughs> they, they are. are. They are. <laughs> so, so all the consultant, yeah. consulting firms are clients of ours. And basically what we provide is access to their staff to stay in a residential property where they're much happier than st staying in a small hotel room yeah. where they're in a box for eight weeks. Yeah. So it works very, very well. And, and yeah. that in, in markets that we're looking to grow into, you know, having the, our corporate clients in that market makes it very attractive for us to also look to those markets. Interesting. That's all we have time for today, guys. Really interesting conversation. Uh, thanks a lot for coming thanks on. For and it'd be thanks good to me. speak, follow Mason Preben in the future. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.